it is good to worship together this morning. Have you ever prayed that God would show you his glory and then you found yourself in a situation that didn't match what you anticipated or even pictured? You were in a situation in which all you could do was trust that he knew the full plan. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to lead a medical missions team to Ecuador. For months, my team and I had been praying that God would show us his glory. We prayed, God, we want to see you lifted up. Show us your glory. And we were amazed even at how he formed this team together taking 12 individuals from multiple churches in Missouri and Arkansas and two team members from the country of Mexico. We were excited. We were filled with anticipation and couldn't wait to see what God had to show us. Two days before we were to head to Ecuador, I received word from our mission partners that there were nationwide protests going on, which were resulting in roadblocks in some of the very areas we would be traveling. Did we still want to come? After talking to my team and after much prayer, we concluded that yes, God was inviting us to still come, but this would be a lesson of trusting him. And so we set off praying every step of the way, still asking God, show us your glory. We gradually met up, starting from different airports, and finally all 12 of us were together in the airport in Quito. We decided that it would be wiser to spend the night in the airport than to go to a hotel for a short nights of rest before our final flight. You see, we were a little concerned that even if we got to the hotel, we might not be able to return to the airport in time for our flight. And we weren't the only ones who had these thoughts, so we joined hundreds of other passengers in the airport looking for places to sleep, a spot on the floor, or in those uncomfortable airport chairs. The next morning, we boarded our flight not knowing with certainty that our mission partners would be there when we arrived at our next destination. My mission partners and I had talked about what would happen if this happened because there were roadblocks the day before in between El Floron, which is where we were headed, and the airport in Manta. And so we talked about what would be our backup process. But the problem was we couldn't come up with a good solution. First of all, we were flying into a very small airport and they had flights in the morning, they had flights at night, but the airport closed in between and they did not allow people to just hang out at the airport. We couldn't call a taxi or get on a bus because all of the public transportation workers were on strike. And we could walk somewhere, but it would be over a mile to get to anywhere. And all of my team members had an extra suitcase 
completely to the 50-pound limit of medical supplies and hygiene items we needed for the clinics. So we had 12 people and 24 suitcases and no place to go. So all of those things were going through my mind as we boarded this flight. I remember clicking my seatbelt, taking a deep breath, and whispering a prayer, saying, God, I choose to trust you. And then I fell promptly to sleep, even before the plane took off. And I fell into the deepest and most restful sleep that one could possibly experience on a 45-minute flight. I woke up as we landed, we walked into the airport, and we all breathed a huge sigh of relief to see our mission partners there waiting. We quickly loaded up our people and our luggage and began the 45-minute drive to El Floron. Four times during that drive, I heard our driver say, thank you, Jesus. This road was blocked just hours before. Thank you, Jesus. This one was blocked just hours before. One of those roads, the roadblock resumed 10 minutes after our team passed through. God is good. Timing was crucial, and God literally removed roadblocks for us. Well, as you can, ma- can imagine, we were paying attention at this point, and we watched God do some amazing things through this experience, doing things that only he can do. But one of the th- most exciting things is we saw two people give their lives to Christ. One of those people came to a clinic at a location that we had not scheduled, we had not planned, but it was a backup location because we could not get to the one that was on our plan. And not only that, she was a college student, and the only reason why she could even be there that day was because the colleges had canceled classes due to these protests. She came looking for hope and help for medical needs, but she left with hope and a personal relationship with Jesus. Our faith grew significantly throughout this entire experience as we kept watching him do amazing things that only he could do over and over again. Don't you love seeing God display his glory like that? Have you ever prayed for something and God did not answer quite the way you anticipated or perhaps even how you wanted? We have been following a theme, as Melissa said, of airplane mode, silencing the noise to amplify God. When Melissa invited me to share today, I began reading and studying the, the story of Lazarus with fresh eyes and an open heart, eager to see what God had to teach us. Three words would probably summon up a picture in your mind. Lazarus, come forth. Some of you may have just gone back in time and you're picturing a children's 
Bible school lesson or Sunday school lesson where you've just wrapped somebody up in toilet paper to represent a mummified Lazarus and you've hidden him in a makeshift tomb and he's waiting for Jesus to say those words, Lazarus, come forth. Or perhaps you were a fan of music artists in the early 90s. What may have flashed across your mind is Carmen and his very dramatic rendition of Lazarus, come forth. Or maybe this morning you're thinking, Lazarus, I, I know I've heard that name, but I can't recall the significance. There were two sisters and a brother who lived in a town called Bethany. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We don't know a lot about them, but scripture does give a glimpse um, of their personalities as well as their friendship with Jesus. Scripture shares that Jesus often visited in their home, that they were friends, they cared about each other, You may remember Mary, who is often used as an example of somebody spending time with Jesus because she would sit at his feet and listen and soak up every word he said. And her sister, with a slightly different personality, would be scurrying about, taking care of all the arrangements, making sure the food was ready, making sure everyone was welcomed in, wanting everything to be perfect for her Lord. There's even a dialogue in scripture that we get to zoom in on between Martha and Jesus. Mary's doing her thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's doing her thing, scurrying about, and Martha becomes a little irritated. And she says to Jesus, Don't you even care that my sister is not doing any work? Tell her to help me. To which Jesus says, Martha, Martha, she has chosen what is best. I will not take it from her. Mary and Martha are not innocent bystanders in this story. They are friends of Jesus. They have a personal friendship, a personal relationship with Jesus. So when their brother Lazarus becomes deathly ill, they know on whom to call. They are followers of Jesus. They have seen him do miracles, and they are friends of Jesus. If anyone can help Lazarus, it's going to be Jesus. Jesus and his disciples were in a different town at this point, and so the sisters send word, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Please come. We pick up the story in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Wait, did you catch that? Much to everyone's surprise... Jesus did not drop everything and run to his friends in their moment of crisis. How many times had people watched him respond immediately 
to interruptions of people who barely knew him. And now the people that he dearly loved were asking for help and he stayed put? For two entire days? What is going on? The noise of confusion began to grow. The disciples were further confused when Jesus told them after two days that they needed to go back to Judea, that their friend Lazarus had fallen asleep and he needed to go wake them up. Now first we need to know that the disciples were not really excited about going to Bethany because Bethany was near Jerusalem and the last time they had been in Jerusalem there had been people threatening to stone Jesus. And the disciples were thinking, we hang out with Jesus, so if he's in danger, we're in danger. I don't really want to go there. And so they jump on his words and they take him very literally when he says that Lazarus has fallen asleep. And so they respond with something like this. Oh, Jesus, this is a good thing. Rest is so important. He will probably just sleep this sickness off and be as good as new in no time. We don't really need to go, do we? Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Jesus told them plainly, Other Bible translations say, then Jesus was explicit. This made Jesus tell them quite plainly. Then Jesus said to them openly, however you want to say it, Jesus made it crystal clear to the disciples that Lazarus was not simply taking a nap. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I'm imagining that that journey began in silence. As the disciples were trying to wrap their minds around what was going on. First, They hear word that their friend is sick, and then Jesus stays put and says this sickness won't end in death. And now he's telling us that Lazarus has died, and now he wants to go? Isn't it too late? What is going on? By the time they make it to Bethany, Lazarus has been dead four days. Martha hears that, Mark, that Jesus is coming, and she runs out to meet him. And she said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will do whatever you ask. I think we have a lot to learn from Martha in this moment. She is deeply grieving she goes to Jesus. She tells him of her deep pain and of her disappointment and of her faith that he is still bigger than it all. 
the noise of pain, disappointment, anger, confusion, questions, and sorrow can ring loudly. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was sent to this world. In the midst of her deepest pain, Martha declares, I believe you are who you say you are. She then leaves Jesus for a moment to go get her sister. Mary is mourning and there are many Jews who have gathered to mourn with her. Martha whispers in her ear, the teacher is here. Jesus is calling for you. He's asking for you. And Mary jumps up and runs out. And the people assume that she's going to the tomb to continue her mourning. So they follow her. But she goes to where Jesus is and she falls at his feet. And she utters those same words of anguish. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus is moved by the Spirit. And he's moved by compassion as he sees her weeping. And he sees the others weeping around her. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they said. And then two powerful words that Teresa talked about with the children are recorded in scripture. Jesus wept. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus wept. Jesus knew the end of this story. He knew what was going to happen, but we serve a loving, tender, personal Savior. He knows how the stories end, but he weeps with us when our hearts are broken. Jesus asked for the stone to be removed from the tomb, and Martha ever practical, logical Martha, says, oh, Jesus, wait. I don't think you want to do that. Remember, he's been dead for four days. If you move that stone, the stench is going to be overpowering. And Jesus, can't you just picture him shaking his head and sighing and saying, did I not just tell you that if you believed, you would see my glory? Ouch. I think I've heard Jesus say that to me before. How about you? So they move the stone away, and Jesus prays, and then he says those words, Lazarus, come forth. And he does. 
Out walks Lazarus, as healthy as can be, completely covered in burial clothing from head to toe. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be there that day? I don't think you could have left and changed. God's glory shone brightly. In verse 45, we read, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. It was this miracle, this evidence of God's amazing glory, this affirmation that Jesus truly and indeed is the Son of God, that was a critical turning point in the ministry of Jesus. It put, into the, it put into motion the events we now recognize as the events leading up to Easter, when God would display his glory in the most spectacular way. When Jesus, this same Jesus we're talking about, went to the cross and the paid the price for you and for me, and he died and he rose again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the disciples, the people gathered there that day, they could have missed it if they had allowed the noise of confusion and disappointment prevail. As I was preparing for this morning's message, I was reminded that he is bigger. He is bigger than our confusion. He is bigger than our unanswered questions. He is bigger than our deepest pain. He is bigger than death itself. Some of you know that I am in the middle of an international adoption process. It is a journey that I believe God has invited me into, but I have to admit there are steps of the journey that are not especially easy. He has been teaching me to silence the noise, to amplify him. I do not believe it was a coincidence that he had me studying this passage of scripture the last couple of weeks. I was anxiously waiting for a phone call with case study results for two precious little girls that I anticipated and hoped would become my daughters. I had asked God to move mountains and and others were praying with me. I knew God could move those mountains. And I believed that he was completely able, and I still believe that. But the phone call did not bring the news I wanted. My heart ached. A fresh wave of grief hit hard. The tears came, and the disappointment was deep. But my heart still has hope. You see, Mary and Martha knew out of anybody 
Jesus could help their brother. They never had any doubt that he was able. But he didn't come at the time they expected or even wanted because he had a bigger and a better plan. I believe with all my heart that he is doing much more than you and I can see. And I believe that when my heart hurts, my Savior weeps with me. I don't know what your noise sounds like this morning. Maybe you're feeling confused or disappointed. Maybe you feel like God isn't answering your prayers and you're starting to wonder, does he even care? Are you feeling disappointed by how life has turned out? Maybe you're exhausted today or overwhelmed with deep pain. Take comfort, my friends. He is not ignoring you. He is right here with us. He just knows the full story. And our God writes good stories. We can trust him. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we recognize that you truly are worthy of our worship. You are able to do so much more than we can dream or imagine. God, I pray that you would help us to silence the noises that go through our minds and our hearts, noises of confusion and pain, unanswered questions, or maybe even questions that are answered differently than we expect. God, I pray that um, if there would be someone here this morning who wants to know you, that they would take the step today to find out more of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We trust that you are good and that you see the full story, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.